hope you're all ready for 60 minutes, or a bit less, of parkrun discussion with Scott Trickett and Mel Urbacker. Welcome to episode 111, all the ones of the parkrun adventurers. Welcome, Mel. Thank you, Scotty. That was a very formal introduction. I'm becoming a... I'm, I'm very serious these days. I'm, um, I'm all about formality. Okay. Um... All right. Well, that's, one going. that's one idea. That's one idea. That's one idea? Yep. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to ask. Did you have a good park run day last week? I did. I did. I, um, I, I made it to park run. Remember, I was a bit touch and go, but thankfully the airlines cooperated and got my brother into Melbourne on time. But I did have, I did have an early start. Gusher and I were out of the airport at uh, 5.30, 6am. It's a busy, but that's the busiest um, place in Melbourne. There was like heaps of flights coming in. It was the place to be. But it allowed me to venture to a new park run because I was in a different part of Melbourne and I went to Newport Lakes. Have you ever heard of Newport Lakes? I have heard of it. Um, I don't know anything really about it. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you thought. Okay. So Newport Lakes, when you look at the map, it just looks like a bowl of spaghetti. It looks really funny. It's, it's in a it's in a park that is a converted tip or quarry, but you'd never know because it's it's just a normal park in, in Melbourne suburbia. But you end up running through like a really nice park, but the paths go up and back, up and back, up and back. So that's why it looks really messy. So it's one one loop, if you will. So it's not out and back. It's just one track from start to finish. But it's very logical. So there's like, I was speaking to the event director, Tim, afterwards, and the, the setup requires putting out 35 or 36 signs to direct people around this course. But in reality, I don't think you really need it because the path, as long as you're sort of just following this path, you can get around the course. And I was up the front, Mel. I was, uh, I got, got a top 10 finish in, in a smallish field which meant that I was actually running most of the course by myself with nobody in front of me. So I kind of had to follow the path and the signs and there was never any danger of getting lost. But what it did do is it, it felt like I was running alone in this beautiful little parkland. That's all trails, lots of trees, a little bit hilly towards the end, but not much. They warned us about the hills at the start. But they needn't have. It was very gentle. And really enjoyed it. And I also had the experience. So I was there by myself. Kasha ditched me. And I had, I didn't know anybody. It's on the other side of Melbourne. She ditched you how? She didn't want to go for a run? No, no. She's, she's not loving park run at the moment. Okay, so she just waited for you at the end. I left her in the car. Locked her in the car. That's okay, isn't it? Oh, did you have the windows down a crack? No, I'll do that next time. Oh, that's where you – yeah, see, now that's not cool, Scotty. You have to at least wind the windows down a little bit. Okay. No, no, to clear it up. No, she was with um, her grandmother. Where was I? No, so I was by myself, first time her experience. Didn't know anybody, felt a bit awkward. There were there were moments there, got, got there a little bit early, there was no one sort of around. There were moments there where you were sort of looking for excuses to do something. I didn't want to do a warm-up. Um, but so you, you kind of had this inclination to, to go back to the car because 
you know, what else do you do when you're just standing around with no one to talk to? But thankfully... Well, you, you, as in, what do you mean with no one to talk to? Was nobody there or you're just too shy to go up and say hi to anyone? Well, there was a bit of, it was, there was a bit of that. The run director was there, but she was busy. There were a couple of other little groups, but they were talking amongst themselves. So there literally wasn't really anybody for me to talk to. Eventually, the run director said, are there any first timers come over for a briefing? Which was good. It was, you know, she was really friendly and really positive about the whole come to Newport Lakes Park Run. Uh, they ticked all the boxes. It was really good. And I, I really enjoyed my morning at Newport Lakes by myself, which was, which was nice. Different, but nice. And top 10 finish. So, happy days. Icing on the donut. <laughs> yes. Top 10 finish. Yep. Mm. But I know, I know you're in New York. Um, is it is it the concrete jungle that dreams are made of? <laughs> it is. It is a very concrete jungle. However, they seem to be they. I don't want to say overcompensate. I think they compensate probably um, just the right amount by having all these amazing park facilities all over the place where you know you can just do. All sorts of activities, basketball, roller hockey, uh, football, uh, ice skating. Um, yeah, you could, you could just pick a sport and they have uh, a facility to do that in amongst other park things and um, baseball. They've got baseball diamonds everywhere. It's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think they try their best to compensate for the fact that there is a lot of concrete and a lot of jungle um, with having a lot of spaces specifically for people to recreate, hmm. as it were. So did the big lights inspire you? Well, I, I haven't been out much at night time <laughs> because Wes is kind of a in bed by 7 p.m. type person and it's still light here at 7 p.m. It's still light really 8 o'clock almost towards 8.30, which is great because, um, you know, I feel like you can get more done. It, it doesn't make much sense because if shops are open and things are open and lights are on, you should still be able to do just as much as you could in the daytime. But having that extra light seems to make things better. Well, of course, this is a new experience for you being a Queenslander because you don't Experience daylight savings. We don't savings, have daylight saving. Which is ridiculous. So the, the rest of the world goes through this six months of the year where it's like it's light up until, for me, nine o'clock some nights. It's awesome. You guys should try it. Hey, look, it's not up to me. If it were up to me, things would be different. But that's an argument that I'm never going to win, I don't think. So let's, let's move on. Move on to the fact that we discussed last week that I was not going to be, I think we discussed it, that I was not going to be near a park run. Well, we teased. Were you or weren't you? Were you going to go to Boston or uh, what were you going to do? And you didn't park run. We didn't. We didn't officially park run. So I posted in the Aussie Park Run Tourism Group that, you know, we're in New York we don't have an official park run to go to. Is there um, anyone who would like to come along and do a little pop-up park run with us? I didn't get any bites from any other Antipodeans or oh. otherwise adventurous tourists uh, to come along, which it was a little bit probably a mixed blessing 
because we had a, a bit of a rough night with Wes on Friday night, so we were both feeling shattered on Saturday morning and really not up for getting up to go for a run. So we all had a massive sleep in on Saturday and decided that we would do our pop-up park run a little bit later in the day and a little bit closer to home instead. And so we we did a Freedom pop-up park run at Prospect Park, which is not too far from where we are, and it's just a beautiful park. You know, they've got all these, like, it's literally... Inside these parks, they have roads, but the roads are not for cars. The roads are for people and cyclists, and they're all lined so that there are like two lanes for the cyclists to go in two different directions, and then either side, there are two lanes for pedestrians to go in two different directions, and it's great. You don't get hit by the cyclists, and the cyclists don't have to dodge the pedestrians. Um and, you know, the people that are, are slow and or, you know, meandering around with, with dogs or with um, small children, that sort of thing, they walk on completely different paths. So you don't have to, you know, um, navigate those either. Yeah, I do remember it from my time. There. It made a lot of sense, didn't it? Because the park's busy. When I was in New York and I went for a run around there, there were lots of people Thousands, like yeah, thousands. there would have been thousands. <laughs> I, I'm just baffled. It's like, oh, this is where everybody is, and, and it was great. It was so awesome to see so many people outdoors and being active and healthy. And you know, they've got you've got your adults and they've got little kids on their bikes following them, and everybody was out doing barbecues in the park and having so many parties. It was beautiful weather, and it's just like it's moments like that where you think, okay. I can understand a little bit why Adam might want to move someplace like this because there's a lot of community where people are forced to get out of their houses or out of their homes because they don't have their own backyards to spread out in, so they have to spread out in public spaces. And it, it really, I think, forges a bit more community in that regard. So we're going to touch. <laughs> we're going to touch on it. You didn't get to Parkrun, but you experienced their version of Parkrun, and we'll talk about it later in the pod. But are you thinking like New York's New York would adopt Parkrun? Would they embrace it if it ever potentially one day maybe gets to launch in New York? Ah, oh, that's a very tricky question Scotty I mean parkrun's already in the United States but it hasn't happened in this state yet so uh, I don't know whether I don't know enough about the history or the behind the scenes stuff to really make a call on that um, but I, I would just like to go back to my pop-up parkrun because it's worth noting that I was the first female finisher so you got a top 10 finish I may have come second. However, it was the first female finish. Well so, done. Thank you. I'm not sure when that will ever happen again. <laughs> I was rather chuffed with myself. And I ran the whole way. Again? Again. Two weeks in a row. I've been doing that a lot lately. Wow. Mm. See, Mel, I told you. It, it worked. It actually worked. It was worth the pain, that whole running everyday business that you did. Running the date in March. Yeah, yeah. It got you fitter. <laughs> it did get Which was fitter. the end goal. Well, I don't know that I actually had a goal so much as saying I, that I actually did it. Oh, I mean, we, it was, we all it had was a goal a nice... on your behalf. <laughs> so 
keeping you in theme with our North American adventures. We're heading back to Canada and we're catching up with the Canadian country manager, Ewan Bellman. Welcome back to the podcast, Ewan. Hi, thanks, Scott. It's good to be here. We've got you back on the podcast because Canada, not only is it an exciting time for you guys because you're getting out of your winter, but you're also booming. You're growing and Parkrun looks like it's working really well in Canada. Is that correct? Yeah, we're doing very well. Um, I think the last time we spoke, we had just launched our first event, which was in August 2016. And since then, yeah, we, we've done very well. Um, we're up to 14 events now, and attendances are, are growing. Uh, we've had two winters now, so I, I think it works out. We've had one summer and two winters, so uh, we're, we're due for for a bit of good weather now. So let's see how this summer goes. And uh, it's, a, it's such an exciting time. Um, a lot more events in the pipeline too. Uh, we've got a sponsor on board. The word's getting out. Um, I was in the, the bank the other day just to do some regular parkrun activity, you know, boring stuff. And uh, the, you know, you just think of this is just going to be a regular, you know, tedious uh, job you have to do. And yeah, the bank teller was like, oh yeah, parkrun, I know about that. My uh, <laughs> my friend takes pictures for you guys. And um, I was, yeah, I was taken aback by that. Uh, word is getting out, absolutely. That is very exciting. And 14 events in, in less than two years, that's amazing growth. How um how is it distributed across the country? Are you happy that it's sort of getting out into all the far reaches? It's going pretty well. I mean, the population. I think there's some crazy statistic like ninety five percent of the Canadian population live within two hundred kilometres off the border. Um, it's not that. Ex- it's not those exact numbers. Please don't quote me, but it's something like that. So um, our uh, our Parkrun events reflect that a little bit. We're not really, we don't really have much presence in the north. Um, but in terms of west to east, we're doing pretty well. Uh, I think we hold the the uh, the most westerly parkrun in the world. That must be Clover Point. Um, I think Chrissy Fields were a bit upset when we took that, but well, they need to uh, <laughs> they need to build an island or something. Uh, oh, they got Hawaii, I suppose they could get that. Um, but on the eastern side, uh, we do have a little bit of work to do. I think the most easternly park run we have, it might be Frederick back in Montreal. Um, but we need to get out to Halifax and Nova Scotia and the, the Maritime provinces. So you and you're based on the west coast. Is, is that part of the challenge for you as growing the country? I know in Australia we could use um, Tim. Tim grew Queensland because that's where he was from, so Parkrun boomed in Queensland. But it eventually spread around the country. Is that one of the challenges you're facing? Initially it was, but the country's so massive anyway, even if I was right in the middle, or even if I was out east, there would still be the challenges. The country's so vast uh, that it takes a long time to travel regardless of where you're going, and I think Tim must have found that as well. But uh, thank goodness for the, the technology that, that we have. Um, I can be Skyping someone and, you know, we're, we're almost in the same room uh, communicating, just like <laughs> we see face-to-face, you know, the wonders of telephones aren't new, but uh, the fact that we can have video calls throughout the country instantly helps a lot. Um, but I wouldn't say the the growth has reflected of where I am. Sure, BC 
where I am, British Columbia, uh, it's doing well. But Ontario is doing fairly well um, too. I think they're up to five or six events, which is similar to out here in BC. So um, I I don't think that's so much of a challenge just because of the, the hugeness of the country, really. And you mentioned your sponsor. So talk about that. That's a, another big step um, in growing parkrun in a country. You know, it's a free event, but we need some sponsors to pay for everything. So what has bringing Sokoni on board uh, done for you guys? Absolutely. So Sokoni are a, a fairly new uh, sponsor to us, um, and they're, they're doing a fantastic job, and I hope they're doing a fantastic job for them. Uh, they've brought their, their resources to the table, and they've got a lot of contacts in the, the Canadian running industry. Um, they've helped us out with social media, and they've got a, a an army of ambassadors that they're going to get out to our, our uh, events over the summer, and they're going to help spread the word. And I think that's one of the main challenges we have over the next little while is it's getting the awareness out there. So like I said, people are beginning to, to hear about it. Like I it's I always I always love it when someone brings up parkrun before I do. And they say, Oh yeah, you should tell me more about this. <laughs> it sounds interesting. And uh, they're always full of praise uh, for it. So um yes, yeah, Saucony are are really doing a, a great job in that respect. Uh, over the summer we hope to release uh, lots of inspiring stories um that's part of the partnership between us and them that we're going to highlight some inspiring stories and how people have come to park run uh not just to to get fit and healthy but also for the, the social side as well um i'm still of the, the the belief that there's there's so many people out there that just don't have the tools um the, the social tools to to leave the house and get out and meet people and uh, park run is one of those tools so the more that we can get out there, uh, the better. You mentioned um, you've had two winters and one summer, so we're, we're coming into your second summer. And I know traditionally in Australia we always get bigger numbers in summer. I don't know why because it's much more comfortable to run in winter here. However, what's it like running in Canada in winter? Do you have a lot of cancellations? Uh, Cancellations-wise, surprisingly few. The conditions are really cold in some places. Um, I'm sitting here in Vancouver and I complain when it gets to minus five, which is about as cold as it gets. So it's not really that bad. Um, the, the real, the real challenge is when it's icy or if it gets below minus 20 Celsius. Those are the two big red flags we've got to watch out for. Um, both are problems, but on average, each event maybe only cancels two or three times a year, and I think that's a high average. Uh, I'm just thinking of the numbers on top of my head. Only, only two three times per event, and that really is a result of a, a fierce storm coming through. Or on our side, on the west coast, it's normally ice. Um, snow is quite nice to run on. It's it's nice. It's grippy. It's the it's the ice that falls. We got to watch out for. Um, a lot of our park runs are located in areas where they have an agreement with the local council. Particularly, I know for a fact in in the Okanagan Park Run and their their Frederick Back, excuse me, Frederick Back Park Run in Montreal, they actually clear the pass for them, which is fantastic. So every every Friday evening or Saturday morning, the councils come and clear the pass, so it's all ready for us to come the next day. So 
that is that is fantastic. But um, numbers do go down, understandably. But we would like to redefine what it what it takes for people to come out and run, or at least what they perceive what it takes to come out and run. I think that if you wrap up appropriately and come out and, and run when it's when it is really cold between like minus ten and minus twenty, I don't think there's there's too much of an issue there at all. And in fact it helps you get through the winter and even dare I say it, enjoy it. <laughs> I was actually gonna ask you about the whole path situation when it snows and whether or not people have to like do the whole snow snowplow situation, but you answered that question. I am interested in running apparel when it is that cold. So I just envision, you know, people looking like Michelin men and running, <laughs> you know, with these giant padded legs and bodies in massive snowsuit uh, suits. But I'm sure that's probably not the reality. What what effectively does it take to stay warm enough not to freeze in those sorts of temperatures when you're running? When you're running, it's not so much of a big deal. You do have to dress appropriately. Um, we have tourists come over that just don't get it. They come out in their shorts and t-shirts, and they just don't understand. They're going to, they're going to be really, really cold. Uh, some of our park runs are, are out and back, so you know the fallacy you'll be away, away is two and a half kilometers from the start. And when you're walking, uh, say if something happens, and if you're walking, that's a, that's a long way back to the start. And if you're in shorts and t-shirts and it's like minus 15 degrees in a snowstorm, yeah, you're in trouble. Um, volunteers or no volunteers, there's only so much we can help. So, yeah, there's that set of things. Um, what do you need to wear? You do need to make sure all of, all of your exposed skin is is covered. Uh, it's difficult when it comes to the face, of course. But once you get running, things do warm up pretty quickly. Uh, we have one regular park runner coming to Richmond here, her name is Deborah, and she sent a picture on social media of her wearing like a, a full face balaclava, and it was just the funniest thing I'd ever seen. She looked like this blue smurf. <laughs> I'll see if I can forward it to you, and I'm sure she'd be happy for, for her to share that. But um, I don't think we need to go to extremes like that normally. So runners generally are good as long as they don't come in shorts and T-shirts. Volunteers, on the other hand, are a completely different story. Some of them are, are based two and a half K away from the start and they're standing there, you know, and they're not, they're not running around. They're standing there getting cold. Those are the ones we particularly have to be careful of. Some of them are, are on their own as well if they don't have enough volunteers. So they really do have to wrap up super warm and make sure that they're going to be comfortable for the, the time that they are out there. You've got the unique uniqueness that you cancel events during the winter. Whistler is one of those events, but Whistler's coming back in a couple of weeks' time. Those guys must be excited. Yeah, they're, they're super excited. The, um, yeah, I was, I was, to be tr the truth be told, I was disappointed when we, we had to cancel the Whistler Park run. It's, um, oh, for the winter, that is. Uh, it, it takes place around a, a lake. Uh, but it takes place on on land that's used for cross-country skiing in the winter and pedestrians, let alone runners, are forbidden to uh, to go through the area just because they mess up all the, the ski tracks, uh, which is, uh, yeah, I can understand. It's quite annoying for, for the skiers. It really does, uh, it, it, you know, I, I've never cross-country skied, but I think it messes up uh, if we get into the tracks and stuff, which is fine. Um, we looked at alternatives 
I think there's a golf course we wanted to run around, but it just wasn't foreseeable. It just wasn't um, it just wasn't feasible um, to do so without snowshoes. Um, I think people suggest that we should we should do park ski and park snowshoe the whole time, uh, quite a lot of the time throughout the winter. And perhaps there might be opportunities there, particularly for snowshoeing. I'm not sure what the rules are on snowshoeing on a park run. Um, but whatever footwear helps you round, I think, as long as you're effectively running or walking, might help. Um, but perhaps next winter we can look and, and learn to see what we did last um, last winter and see if we can perhaps go around places where we could maybe snowshoe and not uh, and not run. Because do they have the challenge now of building the community all over again because they've had a long break? through the winter or are people pretty aware that parkrun's coming back we just got to wait for the snow season to finish i think there is an element of rebuilding the community a little bit whistler didn't have too much of a run in into the winter although that said whistler does have uh, such a young international crowd up there that parkrun is already well known um there's a lot of australian there's a lot of british there's a lot of south african they know about parkrun and I think they're going to be excited when they see it return and it's on their doorstep. So yes and no, I think, is the the, the, <laughs> the correct answer to that one. Um, I think uh, volunteers might be an issue to get up and going again, but if we do a, a quick blast on social media, I don't have, have, much, uh, have many worries there getting the, the team going again. You mentioned, Ewan, that you've got a few events in the pipeline. Can you give us any sneaky previews? to let our listeners know what might be coming? I always get in trouble when I do that because then the pressure's on, right? <laughs> oh, we won't tell. <laughs> it's just, it's just, we'll just keep it between ourselves. None of our listeners will tell anyone you said anything. I could give you a big list and then that, that takes the pressure off any one event. But uh, we have, um, we have Spring, Back, Spring Bank in London, Ontario is looking pretty good. Uh, a local one here in uh, the Metro Vancouver area, Burnaby. Uh, Oakville is looking pretty good. We've been talking about Charlottetown and the Prince Edward Islands. Uh, we're looking at Winnipeg, Regina, Halifax, Edmonton, Vernon, Rossland, Scarborough, uh, Rocky Mountain House, Milton, Cranbrook, Steinbach, Vaughan, Tecumseh, uh, hopefully Chilliwack and maybe Barry to name but a few but those are those are the active leads that I have on at the moment wow you weren't kidding when you said you had a quite a few on the go <laughs> there's so many that are that are bubbling away and I feel a lot of the enthusiasm gets put on hold during the winter um, but it makes it much easier when you have one going in, in the summer for you to transition through the um, through the autumn or fall and into the winter and back into the summer so it's difficult to start in the winter, but once the spring and summer going, it's uh, it's time to start them. And what's the relationship like with Parkrun USA? Are you seeing any of your parkrunners adventure down there and vice versa? Have you getting many American tourists come up and visit your parkruns? Yeah, we get quite a few actually. We had, uh, we had one lady come up from Roosevelt Island. Uh, to do Richmond Olympic on Saturday there. She was actually in town to do the local Vancouver Marathon. So that was fun. And uh, it makes me realise that Parkrun is such a small world. 
because generally, if I say to someone, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm originally from Scotland, if you hadn't guessed already, um, you know, I, I, they ask me where I'm from, and I go, I'm from Scotland, and then they go, oh, do you know Andrew? And I'm like, well, no, <laughs> I don't know every Scottish person. Well, when it comes to Park Run, it's completely different. So um, she knew someone at Roosevelt Island, and uh, I went, yeah, we know her. Yeah, <laughs> that's so good. And uh, that happens. That happens yeah, quite a lot of the time, actually. It's such a small world. And have you been getting much opportunity to adventure around and check out some of the different events that have been launching since you started? I I do my best, and I I try and sometimes I have such a good time doing it. It's difficult not to call them a, a holiday. So I was in Penticton last week. Uh, checking out their park run, I wasn't able to to make the launch, so uh, I think it was like their I don't know their eleventh or twelfth one. And what a beautiful location! So, Penticton, British Columbia, is it's just south of the first park run we had here in Kelowna. So it's also like right in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, and it's just gorgeous. You're you're running along the south end of this lake, and then it breaks out into this little riverside path, and then comes back for another route back. Uh, but it's right in the, the heart of Penticton. So the, the exposure is great and the community just love it. They get great attendances. And yeah, it's such a, such a fantastic little town. Um, I did also check out the newest uh, USA park run down in Renton, although that was a while ago now. But a uh, great crowd down there. And we're, we're forming a little Pacific Northwestern section of park runs, which is kind of cool. So I think they've got another a new one starting as well in the Seattle area. Um, so even if you include just the West Coast, we'll have Chrissy Fields, we'll have uh, the two up in the Seattle region. We've got Clover Point, you've got Whistler. Potentially we might have three in the Metro Vancouver area and then all the ones in the interior, BC as well. Uh, that's a nice little group of park runs. So up in the Pacific Northwest, it's doing pretty well. Have you got a dream? Have you got a vision, dream vision for Park Run Canada, Ewan? Do you know where you want to take it in the next 12 to 24 months? You know what? I look at you guys in Australia and in Britain, and with a park run in virtually every park, I don't see any reason why we can't do it here. And that's the vision. Just get park run to the, the mainstream, make, pe- make people realize that park runs not just for running, not just for fast runners, it's for... People who can, it's for people who can, who can run fast, it's people who can run slow, uh, it's for walkers, and it's just for people who want to come out and socialize. So, again, I, I've said this a few times, but there's no reason why we can't have 500 park runs in Canada, like you do have in, in the UK, for example, uh, or almost there anyway. Um, I, I don't like to say the, the, the J word too often because it gets people really excited. <laughs> I want to. Uh, I think the, the best plan is to establish the, the 5K series first and then we can see if we can introduce the, the, the children-focused uh, events later on. But uh, let's see how many park runs we can get within Canada. And just think of all those communities in, that I mentioned earlier on in, in, uh, in the north of the country. Sure, the population's not there, but park runs not there to get as you know, it's not there to boast as many people at each event as, as we possibly can. It's about getting people, um, it's about getting park runs 
as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. So if we can establish these pipelines and all these small communities or smaller communities within uh, the more remoter parts of Canada, the better. Uh, and now we've got good coverage across the country. Now might be a good time to perhaps start focusing on that, particularly particularly as we have the resources behind us with Saucony too. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between our outback and our remote events that we've set up. We've had a lot of success with those events. When I mean, you're right, the numbers aren't massive, but the uh, park runs and the communities are fantastic. Uh, have you got any plans to come and visit us, Ewan, coming down to check out an Aussie park run? Yeah, you guys booked the train tickets and I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. I'll, uh, I'll happily spend it. I think it's only 15 hours, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Have a, have a chat to your mates at Sokoni and tell them you need to do a bit of research and see what they can do. I think so. You know, we have a lot of people doing the, the opposite, but they do they do two park runs on the one day, but they cross the international date line. So they, it is possible they do, yeah, they start off, they do one of the seven o'clock ones, they jump on a flight, like takes like 15, 16 hours, and uh, our park run is pretty much right next to the airport. And, uh, they come and they do it. I think there's only been two or three people that have done it, but um, yeah, I, I would quite like to do that if I went to Australia on the way back, just for the, the joy of, of doing that. But uh, I'd love to come out and check you guys. I've heard a lot about this main beach park run where you're running along the beach and the scenery sounds fantastic. I, I quite fancy doing that one. Yeah, we've got a lot on offer. You um, would be spoilt for choice, I can tell you that much. I, I do love the fact that you are keen to aspire to this two park runs in one day on two continents or in two different countries. Uh, we actually have a guest lined up in the not-too-distant future who has done one of those scenarios, one of the few people to have done it, so that's going to be an exciting conversation. We'll get all the inside tips about what you should do and, and when and how it all works out logistically. So you'll have to tune in for that one, Ewan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait to hear all about it. Thank you very much for joining us again. It's always lovely to touch base with Canada and see what's going on in the Northern Hemisphere. I'm in New York at the moment, so I've been enjoying a little bit of parkrun tourism in the US of A. Uh, had to had to fly a little bit solo this week though because obviously there's no park runs in New York. But you know we do what we can. Absolutely, uh, yeah. You know what? There's many park runs in, in North America. It's possible. Um, we're all for it, and uh, we'll do what we can to make it happen. Can't wait to come and join you in Canada at some point too in the future. Thanks again. Thank you. Really appreciate it. So start spreading the news, Mel. You're leaving today, tomorrow. That doesn't work. Well, I'm leaving tomorrow, but it's your today. Do you want to be part of it? <laughs> Do you get it now? So you didn't get, and you, and you didn't get it in my intro. Well, because you weren't singing Sinatra okay. in your intro, and nor were you singing. I wasn't singing. Was I singing then? No, I've had requests never to sing again on the podcast, so at least if I, I don't can just, believe that. If I can just reference lyrics from great songs by Alicia Keys and Frank Sinatra, that's my little way of you know, getting back at those critics who said, you know, I hurt their ears and 
they've been scarred in many ways since hearing I, my last. I don't believe those critics exist. <laughs> All I've heard is nothing but fanboy moments from people wanting to get autographs from their new favourite German singer. Hey, and welcome back. You sound a lot better now too. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know... I'm just, it's been a really long day. It has. <laughs> and, yeah, we've we've only been doing this how many episodes now, and I still have trouble with the technology. Mm, yep. So microphones work better if you plug them in. That's Mel's oh, hot tip for the week. You, no, no, that's not even the hot tip. You can plug it in, and it still doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't true. select it. So it was just a prop <laughs> for the first 30 minutes of the pod this week. It's just been a prop. That's okay. I've literally been wearing these things <laughs> pressing on my ears. I've heard you through them, so I guess it's not 100% a prop. But yes, the little the little microphone sitting out in front of my face like Madonna's does when she's on stage. Nah, didn't need it. Not important whatsoever. Now, what is important is our new events that we're launching in Australia. Canadian listeners, UK listeners, our Malaysian friends if they're listening. These events are happening in Australia. They are. And let me tell Which you, are? Mel, these two, I think they're going to go on our list as well. Well, I know one of them's already on my list, and the other one should already be on the list too because of the name. Yep. But you go ahead, Scotty, so and tell me why. I think the one on your list will be Ocean View, which is launching in Queensland on the weekend. It's in a winery. So we've got another event in a winery. Am I correct? It is. In yes, my assumption that that's on your list? Yes, and it's it's one of the few events where you actually get to run up and down through the vines oh, in know. the vineyard. That's what I've been which saying. Which is very exciting. However, these, these guys, and I don't know if it's a big call, but they are challenging. They're throwing down the gauntlet to Nambour Parkrun, who has held the crown for quite some time now as um, – being the toughest park run in Australia, Ocean View are claiming they've they've got a, a challenge. Really? You know, that could be worthy of the crown. Yeah. Okay. So it will be interesting to hear the feedback from the runners after the first event. And the other one is in New South Wales, and it's called Wild Flower. And again, this one looks really pretty and in a unique location. It sounds well. Just the name. That's it's got me. Basically, I've got all sorts of things in my vision for Wildflower. So no roving reports this week. So hopefully maybe next week we might hear from those two events. Maybe, maybe not. We have no Anything's control over possible. this. Yes. We, we started giving directions to our Channel 5 news crew and they just ignore us. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> we weren't paying them enough to go <laughs> yeah. out on assignment. We have no so authority they, over them. No, nah, no. So we're looking for recruits. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are still happy with our current team, however, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, okay. That's one way to put it. Well, I'm still no, happy. No, no, no. Yeah, we love them. Love them. Anniversaries also this weekend. There are a few. One of them is at Altona Beach in Victoria. One of them's at Curl Curl in New South Wales. Another is at Tim Boone in Victoria. And just because we can't have more in Victoria than New South Wales this weekend, the entrance is also celebrating an anniversary. But Queensland never miss out on a party, and Yarra Bilba are also celebrating their anniversary this week. 
So we know that there's not parkrun in, in New York. They've got something called open run, which certainly looks and sounds like parkrun, but it's not. And you went along on a Tuesday? To participate, yes. So I'll give you, I'll give you a little brief overview of what Open Run is. It's organised by the New York Roadrunners and it's free weekly uh, timed running events over a three-mile distance, which is 5K, open to everyone, all ages and abilities, parents with prams, people with dogs. Oh, I think people with dogs. Pretty sure. I didn't see any people with dogs today specifically participating. However, I'm pretty sure people with dogs can go. Um Parents with kids, fast runners, slow runners, walkers, everybody's welcome. Run by volunteers, very familiar. Uh, it's, yeah, it's what happens in New York City instead of parkrun. And they have them on Saturdays and Sundays. And this particular one, which is the closest um, and most inviting, I'll say, uh, in terms of like beautiful uh, location to where I have been staying. And it's it was at uh, Brooklyn Bridge Park down at Pier 6 and you run along all the piers. But it was on a Tuesday night. So they don't restrict themselves to Saturday mornings here. They do Saturdays or Sundays or sometimes completely other nights of the week and different times. Uh, I already mentioned in the intro that we um, did our own pop-up park run because we slept in on Saturday morning. There were a couple of options on a Saturday morning, but they were fairly challenging to get to in respect of um, walking and then metro and then changing metros a couple of times and then walking again and all that sort of thing. So after our big night, we decided to let sleeping parkrunners lie <laughs> and uh, save ourselves for Tuesday night because there was always Tuesday night and that's what we did. This one you went to, is it, is it random? Is it every Tuesday night or do they just pick and choose the nights or times they want to do it? No, no, it's every Tuesday night. So this They've one is every, every Tuesday, okay. Yeah, yeah. And and here's a little bit of a difference from Parkrun. So for Parkrun, obviously, you register once and you get your barcode and then you can go anywhere in the world. For Open Run, you actually register online um, in advance for the event that you want to go to, but you register for that park. So if you wanted to attend one of the Saturday ones, for example, you need to register for that park. Whereas if you want to attend the Tuesday night one, you need to register for that park, which is a different one, a different location. Uh, it's super, super easy to register. You've got to answer like three questions. And two of them is like, one's your first name, one's your second name, one's your email address. And then the other one is basically agreeing to their terms and conditions. So very, very straightforward to do. It was a little bit of a mystery. Um, there's not a lot of detail on the websites about the actual courses. So even though we knew the distance and we knew the name of the park, um, to find out like the actual address of the park, we had to um, join the Facebook page, which is something that they um, recommended you do in the email that we got after registration. And then... Um, we basically Google mapped it. So we got the address and then we Google mapped it to find out how to get there to the start. But we didn't know if it was hilly or what the terrain was and all that sort of thing. So we just made a lot of assumptions that because they invited 
they said it was pram friendly or people with prams are welcome to participate. We just assumed we'd be okay with the pram and all that sort of thing. And we were. And there weren't, there was a few undulations, but there weren't any massive hills or um, other things to negotiate that would cause any major problems or anything like that. But it was very exciting. It, <sighs> I, I know we've all got our first parkrun story where you you go along and you remember, you know, the first people you meet or where you first heard about it and all those sorts of things. I got to relive that experience with Open Run because it was the first time I didn't know how it was going to work. You know, I didn't have to print out a barcode to take along. Um, you know, we, we, we knew where to meet. We knew we had to get there 15 minutes early um, because they told you to, to like, sign a disclaimer or um, to receive something. I was a little bit fo- fuzzy about those details. Um, I thought it was to sign a disclaimer, but it occurred to me later that I actually signed that disclaimer when I registered online. Uh, but it was to receive a little piece of paper that got pinned to your shirt or your... Um, you're running clothes somewhere and then that's that's how they did the timing thing at the end which was all all very interesting to me because obviously it's not the same way things work at parkrun but that doesn't mean it's you know not very effective and they've been doing this for quite some time now so um it gets the job done basically and the volunteers were amazing they were so welcoming and even all the other runners i mean it was it was like a mirror image of Parkrun, you know, that same warm community, all that sort of thing. So they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're trying to refine the wheel or they're just trying to Americanize Parkrun. What, what, what are they um, trying to achieve? Well, I think, I think they just saw an idea that was um, awesome, which obviously we agree it's awesome. We have a podcast about it and they, they just wanted to implement it themselves in New York City and so they have and they're doing a great job they're they're building communities they're getting people active they're promoting volunteering they're promoting healthy active lifestyles so they're doing a really great job now I asked you to wear your apricot have they have they heard of parkrun did anybody ask you about parkrun they they have heard of Parkrun. They uh, when they found out that we were Australian because uh, we were visiting, and obviously our accents stick out a little bit. Uh, they asked if we we participate at Parkrun in Australia, and so of course yes, we we told them we did and showed them we were wearing our barcodes because we never take our barcodes off and that sort of thing. So yeah, and they were very interested to to hear what our thoughts were on how their event ran. Um, in, in comparison, I guess. Hmm. So, yeah. So, did you give them the honest appraisal? I did. I said it was great. That That's definitely my honest appraisal. And, you know, volunteers the world over are the same wonderful people. And they, they're doing a really wonderful job with uh, their communities there. And you, you just had that feeling, you know. It, it, was, it was like park run, but not park run. Open run. Open run. If you're in New York and you're looking for a parkrun substitute because we're not here, then do it. It's it's well worth your time. Sounds like a great way to cap off your US adventure. It was. I think today, which it was our last full day in New York, uh, was my favourite day. Oh, there you go. From start to finish of all the things that we did today, it was my favourite. Good. So on that note... 
should we wrap up episode 111. 